Hey everyone, this is Craig Horlbeck from the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Join me, Danny Heifetz, and Danny Kelly every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to help you win your draft, win your league, and most importantly, avoid that last place punishment. Follow the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify. It's the Ringer's Philly Special presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive that sets the pace and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that throws you one moment and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Welcome to the Ringers Philly special, Shield Kapadia, here joined by ace producer Cliff Augustine, and of course, back to break down the film, is Sean Syed from Sumer Sports. We will, of course, uh, look at the film from Eagles Commanders, look ahead to the matchup with the Rams. Sean, I've been meaning to ask you, what's your like caffeine intake scale? Are you like a coffee man? Do you do, are you just, na- you seem to have like a natural energy. You're kind of like Solak, you guys, you know, you just wake up and I feel like you're good. What is what is your caffeine intake during the season? One, just a great start. You know, I love Ben Solak. Appreciate his work. I will say <laughs> you, it seems like you got a great radar on that because I've actually never had a cup of coffee in my entire life. I made it through law school, you know, wow. and they tell you when you get to college, you'll drink it. They tell you when you get to law school, you'll drink it. They tell you when you start working, you'll drink it. But, you know, so far I've made it through. There's definitely times that, you know, 3 p.m. my head starts hurting a little bit. I think maybe mm. if I chose a different life path, I wouldn't have to face that. But try my best, eat healthy, sleep on time. And you're right. Wow. I, I definitely wake up with a with a special fire for <laughs> for watching our, <laughs> watching these games. I really do. I, I said on the first podcast, I just love football so, so much. Uh, and I, I am blessed, I will say. And I'm sure I'll hit the wall eventually and turn to the, the good stuff. But yeah, you know, being a brown person, the aunties and the uncles, they want to have chai all the time. <laughs> it's tough. You know, I just miss chai time. That's it's not for me. You know, it's, it's just different over here. So you don't, you're not doing chai, you're not doing soda, you're, you're doing nothing? No, you know, like di- Diet Coke or, or, or anything? You're just water and uh, you're, you're just keeping the body clean. Is that right? Yeah, I, I do my best. You know, I, I'm, okay. I'm a firm believer in a water. You can see I got a matching water bottle to my, my uh, dry fit that I'm wearing yeah. today. Uh, I'm not <laughs> against caffeine. You know, there's naturally yeah. occurring sugars and apples, but I think that might be 
you know, the health <laughs> podcast might, might, might be a, a different one. And it's funny I love my, it. friend, my friends, they get on me for it. And I, I saw on the rigor socials, they did such a nice job. They put up this great clip of me and you got some nice messages, but you know, my closest friends, they're like, Oh, Sean, you haven't gotten a haircut in a few months. Your beard's not lined up. They're wondering <laughs> if I ever changed my, my clothes. You know, I left the lawyer game, so I don't know where my suits are, but then I got my buddies coming at me, you know, telling me I look like Reed Blankenship's forearm after it gets stepped on. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe the caffeine would help me look a little bit more put together on it, but appreciate, appreciate you guys, Ringle, so, Ringer social team. You look. You look good. I, I was noticing today. Your hair looks on point today. So I think you might, you know, you might, you need your buddies. Everybody needs their buddies to tell you a little bit here and there. That way we can all uh, live our uh, best lives. Is that what the kids say? I don't know. I'm too old to be saying that. All right. We got a big show today because I was texting with Sean saying, listen, Sean, there's a lot of talk about Jalen Hurts this week. Like this is the topic of conversation. Is he playing well enough? Is he not playing well enough? Is the offense playing well? Is the offense not playing well? Should people be happy with 4-0? Should people be mad about 4-0? A lot of this stuff, you know, Solak and I talked about in the post-game pod. And so, you know, Sean was like, listen, I'm just going to chart every Jalen Hurts throw. I'm like, all right, this is going to be good. So we're going to go Jalen Hurts offense heavy on this film breakdown. We'll still talk about the defense. We'll still talk about the Rams, but I do want to, you know, I want to pick your brain. What does this offense look like? And, and, and I like doing this with you because you're watching different offenses from around the NFL. So you probably have your favorites. Hey, this OC is making life easy for this quarterback. This quarterback's making this OC look good, but the OC is not really, you know, doing anything special. All, all that analysis you can bring to the table. So we've got, what did I say? We got like four or five questions we're going to go through with Jalen Hurts uh, and the offense here. And so let's just go through some numbers um, before we start here, Sean. So I I was looking at some stuff here uh, today. Eagles offense this year is averaging 27.3 points per game. Do you have a guess? How many points do you think they averaged last year? They're averaging 20. I didn't prepare you for this. So we got to get some impromptu in here. 27.3 points per game this year. What's your guess of what they might have averaged last year when they got to the Super Bowl? Let's go with uh, even 28 on that one. 27.2. Pretty much the exact same thing. Eagles offensive success rate this year, 45%. Eagles offensive success rate last year. 45.3%. Again, it's nearly identical. Eagles offensive DVOA this year. I just checked this today. There's seventh in offensive DVOA. So if you can tell where I'm coming from, and again, we're going to break down the pros, cons, and everything. I think the conversation has been a little bit overblown about what this offense has done so far through the first four weeks of the season. So let's talk about this game specifically. Eagles beat the Commanders. Uh, They score on seven of 10 drives, yet obviously some concerns about still what the offense looked like and with Jalen Hurts. So let's get to the big question first, which is, is Jalen Hurts bailing from the pocket too much? This is something you're hearing all around Philadelphia. Are his eyes dropping? Is he uh, perceiving pressure that's not there and he's leaving the pocket when he should just hang in there, get to another read? A guy would be open if he just did that. Is he getting past his first read? I think those two questions probably align with each other, right? Is he getting past his first read? Is he bailing too early? So uh, we both watched the film. Uh, I want to hear what you have to say about that first question when you looked at every drop back from Jalen Hurts from Sunday. I think when we talk about bailing, it has such a negative feel to it. But we're really talking about more or less anytime when you're watching TV 
and you see Jalen Hurts leave the pocket in the drop back pass game. And I really think that not all bails are created equally. So one type of bail, of course, is quarterback leaves a fully clean pocket because they aren't seeing things and their eyes are down. You know, some may say that's an issue for maybe another quarterback in the division. I don't think that that is a Jalen Hurts problem. There's another type of bail where the defense is getting pressure and that creates a hard balance for the quarterback of, is the rush influencing me? Do I want to hang in? Can I bail and make a play? So that's more of a bit of a gray area, which that I think is a, a real feel thing for special quarterbacks. And then to me, the most frequently seen bail in the Eagles offense is if you're running a concept where pretty much you have to pick a side, so either the left half or the right half as the quarterback, if the side that you pick is covered, you can't really go to the other side because it's a timing-based pattern. If you throw the ball late, the cornerback already has a beat on it. They're going to pick it off. So really at that point, if you are running a pick a side, you've picked the side, probably correctly, and it gets covered for whatever reason, you're either checking the ball down or you're bailing and trying to make a second reaction play. So I absolutely agree. On the TV copy, it, it frustrates me too, right? Because you know how good this offense is. You know how good the plays are. So the questions to me after watching the game come right away. You know, is he seeing things properly? Is that? But every single week so far when I've watched the film, yes, there's been one or two where I think if if you ask Jalen and he's totally candid, he would say, you know, I could have hung out there but week after week it's improved in that there's less of those examples but i think that structurally when you have pick aside concepts bailing isn't a bug it's it's not necessarily a feature but it's you're reading your your play you're either checking the ball down or you're moving in the pocket to try and make a second reaction big play happen so those types of bails are what we see the most often and that's not really something that i blame the quarterback for so let's dig into that uh, a little bit. So when we say pick aside concepts, you know, that could be, and, and please correct me if anything of what I'm saying here is wrong, that could be, hey, if it's man, this side's probably going to be better. If it's zone, this side's probably going to be better. Or it could be, hey, if we get uh, middle of the field open, you know, a, a too high structure, then we might want to go to one side. If we get a uh, single high safety there, middle of the field closed, then we might want to go uh, to the other side. Is that the basic, like, and when is the, the quarterback is looking at this before the snap, after the snap, when they're picking what side to go to? Explain kind of a, a little bit, if you can, uh, what you mean by sort of the pick a side structure. Yeah, and another pick a side structure would be a mirrored concept. So you're running the same exact thing on the left side as the right side. The Eagles do that a lot. They run curl flat over and over. So there's one example from the game where they're running curl flat. So you got however many yards they ran it a little deeper on this play. So in that 15, 18 range on the outside receivers, just turning over their inside shoulders on the inside, they're running a five and out. You're trying to make life hard for the flat defender. And before the snap, when Jalen Hurts gets to the, the line, the defense is in a base nick or not a base look, but a regular nickel look. So they have their fifth defensive back on the field, their nickel cornerback is playing to one side of the field and to the opposite side, it's going to be a linebacker in pass coverage mm. instead. So I would, you know, I think it makes sense. You want to pass against the defenders who are probably less adept at pass coverage. So he's choosing the side there where Dallas Geyer's running that five and out against the linebacker. And I think that's a smart way to do it. You can, of course, you can feel what's the, sh the overall shell of the defense. Are they a team that plays more cover two structures where we can expect the flat to have a problem? But if you didn't know anything, just as simple as possible, I want to throw the ball against the defenders that I think are worse at covering our players. So that's just one way to look at it where that's where you're choosing a side in that case. 
Gotcha. So uh, yeah. So what you're you know you're saying with kind of the um you know the pick a side type structure of not every Eagles offensive play, but would you say it's more they do kind of more of that than maybe you're? I mean, I know you're not charting this for every team, but just kind of anecd- observationally when you're watching film, do you feel like that's more a part of the Eagles offense than maybe uh, a lot of the other offenses you watch around the league? Maybe not at like an exorbitant rate. I do say I spend a lot of time with. Our, our favorite Shanahan offenses and their yeah. the way that they progress in the passing game. It is just a little bit different, but okay. you know, these concepts or concepts in general, they're not really good or bad in and of themselves though. Of course, you know, I love pure progression passing. I will always say that, but you have to put those concepts in the context of your team. So if I was a team that was just under talented at the receiver position, I probably wouldn't have my receiver run those routes where they're expected to essentially win one-on-one but Sheila, you know you've given me this great opportunity to watch eagles film closer and every time i watch it aj brown is usually able to win or Devonte smith is able to win you know aj brown runs a curl he presses that cornerback deep he runs a slant the cornerback is stressed and then brian johnson sees that they run double moves off of that so it's it's important to me to understand that it's not the just the concept is good or bad of itself I think that to access the really high end ceiling of some dominant receivers, you have to put them in those sorts of one on one situations. So, mm. you know, is it good or, or is it bad? It, it's the offense. And as you said, you know, four and oh doesn't sound too bad at this point. Gotcha. So you're saying like for an offense like that, you understand why they would structure it this way when you have A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith on your roster, because if you're doing, you know, the half field stuff and it counts on one of these guys winning one-on-one, that's when you would want to do it. If you didn't have those guys, then you might need to do a little bit more to free guys open uh, and not count on them so heavily to win one-on-one. Is that sort of an an accurate uh, description of what you mean there? Yeah, I think it's important that this offense, it is not for every single team. It really isn't. The Eagles are not a heavy under center play action team, right? That's not something they do often, really, if ever. I think I saw one snap of it this week, which is maybe the first time all year, partially because they don't have to, right? I think that is one way to make things a little bit easier on your offense. But when you have the better players, roll the ball out there and let's take our guys in advantageous situations. At the same time, Brian Johnson is not just saying, hey, you need to win this matchup one-on-one for our offense to move. Like they're, they're, They will still get to empty looks where, there, it's still a one-on-one look, but it does make life a little bit easier on the quarterback in a few ways. Yeah, based on it, it's funny having this conversation because, like you said, it's good to take a step back and put it into context. Um, Jalen Hurts threw for over three hundred yards and didn't have a turnover. Like those, I mean, like we kind of take those those types of days for granted. Those are hard days. Those are not common days uh, in the NFL. If you look at it. EPA per pass play. This was his fourth best passing game of the last two seasons. Now, listen, there's other stuff you can look at. Success rate, it wasn't uh, as good. But if you're hitting on explosive plays pretty consistently, which they did, and you're not turning the football over, like, you know, A plus B, that's going to equal pretty good. So again, that's not to say like, I'm not minimum. I agree with, with people who are like, all right, there's is a little unevenness to this offense right now. It doesn't look perfect. They go through stretches uh, where you have questions um, at the same time when you zoom out and you look at how impactful those big plays are, like those big plays do matter. That's why I always try to talk success rate. 
and EPA, not to like bog this whole discussion down with, uh, you know, analytics, but EPA will tell, will include the turnovers and the explosive plays success rate is, is not. And that's just kind of a down to down. How successful are you? So I think it's good to look at both those things. Again, their success rate is pretty much the same, almost exactly the same as it was last year. Uh, if you're just looking at the offense as a whole, the EPA per drive uh, is a little lower, but that can have to do with a number of things, red zone, uh, efficiency, turnovers, all those different types of things. And I really do think it's okay to be frustrated with the passing offense. I don't blame people who are watching it at all. And to me, it gets to you know our important coach speak point of the week where pressure is a privilege, right? There is an expectation for Jalen Hurts because he has shown such a high level of play. I remember watching that Super Bowl back and thinking, just just wow, right? And of yeah. course, we want Hurts to get back to there, and I think he does have that in him. So I understand, you know, it's it's oh, it's a little uneven right now, but to me, it's not something where Hurts has declined and and is falling off a cliff. I absolutely understand. I feel it too. I watch the clips and I say, oh, you know, this is something where maybe I'd like him to hang on a second longer. Maybe this is something where he, maybe he missed something. But when I look at one play earlier in the game and see another play where they run a similar concept, he doesn't make the same mistakes often. So to me, that's a testament to his communication with Brian Johnson. And I think that either Hertz knows it himself or he is so coachable where he's picking that up quick and saying, you know, I didn't think live when, I have guys running in my face that that was open. When I saw it on the Microsoft Surface, the iPad, whatever you want to call it, I saw it was open. Let me go make that play. And as a team, if you have the ability to, especially when you're sometimes overmatching defensive units and you're better on the edges, if you're not just, you know, shooting yourself in the foot, for lack of a better term, it is a real, real positive situation for the offense. All right, let's take a quick break here and get to more of these questions about Hertz and the Eagles offense. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. Let's see, what am I looking at? I like the Bills a little bit in the London game, minus five and a half against Jacksonville. Jaguars offense, a little shaky to start the season. You can go with that. You can go with something else. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. And FanDuel is now live in Kentucky. Download the app now and take advantage of their great special offers, boosts, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Ringer Philly and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. 
If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. All right, we are back on the Ringer's Philly special. What was it? Pressure is a privilege. That's the coaching uh, coaching term of the week. Yeah, she'll you really them. do like these, right? It's I mean, I see you. You're, like I generally mock all the coach speak. You seem like you generally like these, though. Well, that that was uh, the first one. I was, you know, I have another one in the bag. I will say it now. Okay. You know, it's winning is the best deodorant. Is is, mm. is my other one, and you know, things, Sam, what, whatever, however they smell during the game, it, it 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 feels a lot different when you're winning because. As we were talking about before, you know, teams across the league, how they run offenses. I can tell you a lot of the quarterbacks and teams that people are complaining about. It's a lot of offenses that run a lot of these concepts, but don't have the same high level of play from individual players. So winning, winning is a really good deodorant. But, you know, I don't know what the ringer's policy on is. I am pro deodorant. I, I you know, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we can agree on that one, too. We're, we're, we're pro deodorant. Longtime listeners go, you know, will know that I, I wouldn't be opposed to a man using a w- woman's deodorant if you think it's a little stronger, but I'm not going to take you down that path right now. You came on to talk X's and O's. Once we get to like week nine or 10 and you're really comfortable, then you're going to be like nervous about some of the personal questions <laughs> I'm going to ask you, but we'll, we'll, we'll save that uh, for now. All right. Jalen Hurts, is he making the second reaction place that we're used to. This kind of builds off of the first question. Okay, are there moments where he's bailing a little bit? Yes, as Sean explained, there are different types of reasons why you bail. You know, he might be justified in some of them, not justified in other ones. But when he does bail, I mean, this is something that has he's had in his bag since he, you know, first started playing in the NFL. That out of structure plays, he can hurt you with his leg. He can legs. He can buy time. He can avoid sacks. He can make second reaction throws. All those things. This to me is like the area where it does look different to me this year than last year. But I've talked to people and people have very differing opinions on whether they agree with that or not. So just a couple numbers I want to throw uh, your way, Sean, and then get your take on it. Uh, 24, to me, it's a lot about like when he leaves the pocket, what's happening? Are good things happening or are bad things happening? And as you mentioned, they don't do a lot within structure to get him outside the pocket. I mean, they will do a little bit, but that's not at the core of what they do. So a lot of these are kind of the second reaction plays. He's had uh, 30 plays where he has left the pocket this year and just five of those have resulted in positive outcomes. So that's a success rate of 20%. Last year, it was up over 37%. And that, to me, kind of passes like the eye test. A lot of times, and even in this game, there are times where you rewind it on film and you go, I can see why he left there to scramble. But there were like two instances where he left to scramble. I saw open space and a defender caught up with him. I think once it was Benjamin St. Juiced 
uh, on the right side there. And the other time, I think Jonathan Allen kind of chased him to the sideline where he wasn't able to turn the corner and turn that uh, into a first down, turn that into a big game. Now, as I'm writing that down, as I'm watching the film, then we get to a play in the fourth quarter where the Eagles uh, screw it up and he has a guy. I can't remember if that was actually an under center uh, play action or not. It, it might have been, but basically they had a free defender in his face when he turns around, sidesteps him, sees space, jukes a guy in the open field, and it's a 24-yard scramble. And so if anyone's like, well, is he, is he dealing with some kind of injury or is that athleticism not there? It's like, no, no, that was there on that play. Like that ceiling still exists. So that to me is a legit concern. Like the, the out of structure stuff, the place where he's using his athleticism, his, his natural talents, just making something happen for lack of a better term that has nothing to do with the game plan and the structure of the offense. There have been fewer of those plays this year than uh, in the past. So what is your take on that theory and whether that aligns with what you're seeing? Or if you say, I hear what you're saying, Chio, but I don't see it that way at all. Yeah, this one's interesting because there's a different discussion of, okay, what are you seeing? And then kind of how much does it really matter when other things in the offense are working really well? I do think that we see Hertz, he can hold in the pocket. We have that beautiful touchdown against the Bucks. You see, as you said, that really, really nice scramble where, I mean, the defense just, they have him in their clutches. And for him to be able to escape that, I was super encouraged to see that. There's my first use of the word encouraged today, I think, that... <laughs> Yeah, he. We need like a sound effect, maybe a ding or something. Yeah, we'll we'll work on that for future right? weeks. He, maybe like an eagle call or something like that. But <laughs> he has that ability in him because, of course, you know, I try not to speculate on player injuries because after the first whistle of training camp, no player is one hundred percent. They're dealing with so much. And then I was thinking, you know, on there's the one play where he goes. I think it may have been a cornerback. Like maybe when I was younger, the coaches would have said, you know, low, like you want to see him lower his shoulder. I don't want to see Jalen Hurts lower his shoulder in week four of the regular season. Yeah. I do not want to see that, right? And that's a different question of, can he turn the corner? And, you know, I think Hertz ran around 4-6 of the combine, which, like, that is a lot different than a 4-4. So that, but as you said, you know, he's shown it before. I guess I don't have the best answer in terms of, well, why isn't it happening? Because you can't really script the unscripted, right? That It's a freestyling kind of thing. And then the offensive line is so good that if they ever get beaten, it's usually in a way where, you know, this is pretty tough. So I'm, I'm, I'm fully, fully punting this one to the moon because I don't think I have a good answer. And hopefully it just doesn't matter. Right. And I think that as we get later in the season where maybe they are designing more things for him in the in the run game, particularly, which that's not a second reaction play. But those are the times where Hertz is maybe more expected to, hey, we need you to get these extra five yards where right now that is not the priority. Right. We need to get to the playoffs stay healthy and we're not going to have our the quarterback we're paying so much put themselves in harm's way like that yeah that's the other aspect of it is is the run game is different it's still been good it's still been efficient but it's been less of jalen hurts and more of deandre swift uh kenny gainwell just you know hand that ball off you can keep it once in a while but certainly not as many designed runs as we saw last year the scramble thing is interesting because i was looking at the numbers and they don't, it's kind of what you said. It's hard to answer. It's not like, whoa, this is crazy. It's totally different uh, from last year. You know, he's, um, I combine sacks with scrambles because some of these are, he's trying to get away, but you're still sacked. So I don't think you can necessarily look at one uh, or the other. He's 17th in EPA on sacks and scrambles this year. Last year, he was 10th. So a little bit worse, but you're not, it's not like he was fifth and now he's, you know, uh, 29th. 
EPA on lost on sacks, he actually lost more on sacks last year per game than he has this year. So I know the sack rate early on was a concern. Now it's almost exactly what it was last year. So that's not a uh, big concern either. And so if you just add up sacks and scrambles last year, they added up to like plus eight yards per game when you added both those up. And this year it's plus three yards per game. So again, it's less, but we're not like, that is not the difference of why Jalen Hurts looks good or looks bad. So that's more to me like an eye test thing. And I could be wrong about it. Again, it was still there uh, in the fourth quarter. You see flashes of it. And I'm with you. If I would have, I was thinking about this, Sean, if I would have told Eagles fans before the season, four games in, you're four and oh, the offense is seventh in DVOA, scoring the exact number of points as they, per game as they scored last year. And Jalen Hurts is running less and taking fewer hits. I mean, uh, you'd be over the moon. You'd be like, yes, that's exactly what we want uh, to happen here. So uh, I do think it's good to kind of, you know, look at look at some of that. I'm with you. I, I think they're obviously, or I shouldn't say obviously, but it's reasonable to think that there were conversations this offseason that were, hey, Jalen Hurts, you've suffered injuries each of the last two seasons. You're now making $50 million per year. Our goal is to win the Super Bowl. Our goal isn't to just, you know, go all out uh, just to get to the playoffs. And so obviously the way he's doing that and the way he's trying to avoid hits and not go all out uh, on every play, but yet can still dial it up in the fourth quarter of a close game like we saw him do, you know, maybe that's all it is. Maybe he's making conscious decisions to protect himself like we all believe he should do, but still has that ability to dial up. So that's something where I need a bigger sample. Uh, let's keep an eye on it here in the uh, in the weeks ahead. But I do think that's at least, at least part uh, of what we're seeing here. All right. My next question. Uh the big time throws, like you, you were talking about the Super Bowl, right? Like the, wow, this is okay. Not only is he operating in the, the context of the offense, but he is like doing above and beyond. I actually thought there were more examples of him making high level throws in this game than any game we've seen so far um, this season. What did you think? And what were some of those throws that kind of impressed you uh, on film from this commander's game? Those big play throws, that's what we're holding so hard on to. And I like that Jalen Hurts, he clearly, he wants to take those shots. He takes them consistently. The offense is set up for him to be able to do that. And I loved on that last double move to me, and I, I think it's right, it looked like Hurts is checking into that play. He probably has the option to run something else, but no, he wants to go for the kill there. We get that nice throw to A.J. Brown. He had that really nice throw to A.J. Brown on the fake screen and go got those two shots against the Vikings really for for most quarterbacks those are low percentage throws you know we we say they're 50 50 balls but I don't think they are 50 50 balls all the time but an offense that has the structure to promote that as they should because you have AJ Brown his pink cleats looked great no no issues there <laughs> this week and Hertz has the desire he has the ability to take those shots and really it's so demoralizing for a defense you have to deal with the Eagles run game, snap after snap. You're probably not getting home on the pass rush every single time. And the best way, the easiest way for an offense, the one thing that will increase their chance of scoring the most is that explosive play. So the Eagles are able to get to that constantly. And I was really, really impressed throughout the game, both with, I think, Brian Johnson's desire to get Hurts into those positions and then Hurts' ability to hit those. Yeah, there, there, there were a lot of examples of it. I mean, he had the, they're running uh, four verticals against cover two on the left side, and he hits A.J. Brown uh, in between the underneath defender and the safety. That's a 
very nice throughout. Like that's a window you've got to be able to hit. He hits it. And then of course, AJ Brown, like you said, uh, does the rest with great effort from uh, Olamide Zacchaeus and Devontae Smith blocking on that play. Uh, he had a throw to Dallas Goddard in the third quarter that like it looked good live on film. You're just like, man, if that's not in that exact precise pinpoint location, that's an incompletion right past the outstretched hand uh, of the defender. There was not a lot of separation there with Dallas Goddard, and he still made that play. That was another one that stood out to me. Uh, third down, 234 left in the game, uh, and he hits Olamide Zacchaeus in the middle of the field. Again, two defenders closing. I think it was zone coverage there, uh, and he fits the ball in there right where he needs to, converts, and of course, they go on to score on that same drive with the one you mentioned there, the double move to A.J. Brown. So those were what? One, two, three, four that really stood out to me where I said, okay, those are like the flashes of what you want to see because I was at training camp for, I think, a handful of practices this summer, and he was making a lot of big boy throws. I was like, man, he looks better as a passer to me than he even did last year. Like, I was, like, He's going to build off that um, Super Bowl game, and we're going to see more of that. This was the game where I'm like, okay, I'm seeing what I saw on the practice fields uh, this summer. Did any, any of those other uh, plays stand out to you, the ones I mentioned, or did you want to go into uh, any of those further or just kind of what you saw on those plays in film? The one that you mentioned, it's four verts against cover two. He does a really nice job of holding the safety with his eyes. And I think something that's easy to miss because on the replay, you see it kind of happen quick. If that ball is thrown on a lot of these deep balls, if it's thrown just a little bit short or a little bit inside or even a little bit outside, it's an awful incompletion or it ends up as something where it's an interception. And Hertz has been able to avoid that, which has been really, really good. I... I want to keep seeing them take those shots. It was really cool. This is obviously not just like film analysis, but Hertz was so, he seems so pumped up after that, the double move touchdown towards the end, yeah. which I think the, maybe we'll talk about the celebration analysis, uh, maybe at the end, but AJ Brown, I'm sure is feeling a lot better that he is very clearly part of the plan. And I think Hertz is, he understands, okay, the defense has a rookie cornerback. They're a player that wants to be a little bit more aggressive. We're throwing these short shots. We're building up. We're building up. And we can take these shots in the second half comfortably. And even if it's it's a shot play where A.J. Brown is double covered, there was one, I think, I forgot if it was a penalty or uh, on offense. I think it ended up being incomplete, but double covered, it ends up hitting A.J. Brown in the hands. So Hertz has always thrown a really good go ball. I think he stays in rhythm. One of the issues, sometimes there was a play where Devonta Smith, he's breaking on a corner. And I think there's probably disagreement on where Hertz wanted Devonta Smith to break. But whenever you see Hertz kind of like crow hop, like he's playing for your Phillies and you see his heels kind of clicking together, sometimes that ends up as an issue. But he has thrown so many good go balls or those vertical shots that that's another thing that we don't think about it, but it opens up underneath space and it might makes life easier for everyone. I love that you mentioned that Dallas Goddard play coming across his face. Earlier in the game, there was one where we talked about like, yeah, maybe he should have hit Goddard on that route. So that was an example where I was thinking of, even if you don't think that's an error, Hertz sees it. Hertz knows he can get to that throw, which was so, so accurate. So, you know, I'm watching the TV, a little bit discouraged maybe, but when you see those big plays, when you look at the film, you understand that he is hitting these plays that like other quarterbacks in the league, they have the physical tools to do it, but they aren't always able to do it in structure, whether it's the offensive line having an issue or the quarterback gets jittery or just always has looked comfortable. And even when he's bailing, it's not affecting his eyes later in the game. Okay. Yeah. The, uh, 
the the stuff you mentioned about his footwork, uh, JT O'Sullivan, who does a a great job with the uh, QB School YouTube page, he did a little Jalen Hurts breakdown, and that was one of the things he pointed out. Like he was, it was overall pretty uh, complimentary, but some of the footwork stuff that you're talking about, he was saying, all right, when when he makes a bad throw or when he has an issue, a lot of time times that's what it's about. So that that's another thing to kind of um, keep an eye on here. All right, so where where does this leave us? Let, let's finish up the the Jalen Hurts. Uh, conversation here. Here's where I am. I am, it's a little overblown, um, you know, the concerns when you look at some of the numbers I mentioned earlier. I actually thought this game was a step in the right direction. I think it's not always going to look great, snap in and snap out, down down to down, but this is a big play offense. They want to hit explosive plays. If you're hitting explosive plays and you're not turning the football over, you're going to succeed. Um, and so that's where I am on the, now I, I agree with some of the stuff like, all right, is he, you know, yes, he does bail uh, sometimes when he could hang in there and find a receiver. At the same time, I think more of those last year turned into, he scrambled for a first down. And so no one really, all right, who cares? Like if you bail and you're getting a first down and you're not putting the ball in harm's way, I think there's been a little bit less of that this year. And that's the reason why when he's bailing, and it's turning into a sack or it's turning into a one-yard gain, now all of a sudden we're going, well, why didn't you just hang in there? So um, that's not like a, a big conclusion to draw, but that's kind of what I'm keeping an eye on going forward is when he does leave the pocket, what's happening? Are good things happening? Are bad things happening? Is he making more of a concerted effort to hang in there and release the football? So that's where I am with, with, with Jalen Hurts and the offense. What, what do you think? Where are you after this game, after four weeks? I would say the Eagles are in a good spot. The, the passing game, it's not perfect. I don't think anyone in that building thinks it's perfect. But the yeah. fact that the team has the ability to win in such multiple ways is just, it is such a big deal because they didn't just run for 250 yards. And every single game, you're not going to get the rushing efficiency of the 100th percentile that we never, ever see before. So if those explosives, if there's games where they go over six on those explosives, you know, can they squeak it out where they're taking maybe throw after throw? Maybe this upcoming week against the Rams where their defense is going to prioritize. Let's put a roof over your offense. We don't want to let you break through that ceiling. That's going to be an interesting situation. But they are able, the Eagles are able to expose defenses in multiple different ways. If you don't have the eye discipline to play double moves, if you don't have the physicality and the unfortunately the talent to play against AJ Brown, it's going to be a really, really long day for you. So my concern maybe. In the first week was, oh man, I think that this rushing offense is going to be able to figure it out. Of course, they played the Patriots in week one, rainy day, weird things happening. If the passing game can't take advantage of teams, that is going to be a problem where defenses feel comfortable to load the box. But if I'm a defense, you want to devote two resources to A.J. Brown, but then you have Devontae Smith there too. So the passing offense at this point is absolutely enough to make life uncomfortable for defenses and those big plays. I obviously I hope to keep on seeing them, but watching the film, I feel comfortable that Hertz has improved week to week, not at the ceiling that he wants to be at yet, probably not at the ceiling that we want him to be at at week four at this point. And it's going to be fun, I think, to keep on watching. Yeah, they're uh, they're 12th in uh, passing DVOA right now. They were fifth last year. So like that aligns with where kind of my heads at, you know, it's like, all right, this definitely doesn't look as good, as easy, as in rhythm as it did last year, but this is far from a disaster. Um, they're still putting up points. They're still hitting on explosives. Now, listen, like you said, 
they could play the Rams. And if those explosives are taken away and the passing game might not get in a rhythm and we might be having a different conversation a week from now where we're saying, okay, now like it, it is reason to have uh, more concern, but um, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Just a couple other leftovers here on the offense. Uh, so we, we were, um, you know, in our shared Google doc, both right, more RPOs, a little more RPO success in this game. They definitely had one to Dallas Goddard down there uh, in the red zone. So they kind of change up the run game based on the week, based on the opponent. One week it's inside zone, every play, every play, the next week it's outside zone. And then you're going to counter in the second half this week, you're adding in some more RPO. So just another reminder that they have a lot of uh, uh, Solak always says arrows in the quiver, something like that. I don't know, clubs in the bag. I don't, you, is there a coach speak one for that? Where you have a lot of like uh, tools in the box? I, I don't know. You, you look like you have one. Yeah, I'm gonna have to think on that one. You know, I, I have to say, I've never, <laughs> I've never, I've never shot an arrow from a Me bow. Neither. Yeah, uh, we got a, a funny golf story that maybe I'll share. I'll share after the, <laughs> the podcast when we're done. Okay. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Football's in the bag. That sounds kind of lame. I, I think tool, tools yeah. in the toolkit is is okay. the kind of. That's the even one, even though I will admit, you know, I don't even think I have a toolkit in my house. So no. hoping that hoping that the sinks work after this. Who was it? My dad. Somebody got me one. Might have been my father-in-law, my dad. I'm like, what do you think I'm going to do with this? You think I know how to use any of this stuff? What do you not? So, um, yeah, I don't I really have no use for an actual toolbox. All right. But Eagles run game. That's what I was talking about. Uh, DeAndre Swift, I thought was terrific. In this game, I mean, he didn't put up the big numbers, but man, he was making something out of nothing. They had some blown blocks, some missed assignments up front, and he was really making everyone look good in this game. Also used kind of interestingly as a receiver, like they threw, I don't know if it was a RPO or not, uh, or just a a called bubble. They threw a bubble to him uh, on the perimeter and he looked good getting upfield to the sideline. They used him on the double move against the linebacker uh, to the right side that, that drew a flag where a better throw from Jalen Hurts. It might've just been a big play uh, even with the flag. I'm just really impressed. Like, what I thought DeAndre Swift was going to be and what I'm actually seeing, like he has definitely exceeded my expectations uh, through the first four weeks of the season. Shield, this was DeAndre Swift's best game. And it's crazy wow. to say that it's crazy to say that because he had such incredible numbers. But when you watch the film, it's so fun to see when you're you have to like make it super, super slow because you're looking at it and there's no space for him to go through. But he's him able to get that hidden yardage against the commanders was really really big where you turn those two or three yard gains into that five and six yard gain where that gets the offense moving and i think a question for deandre swift coming from detroit a lot of people you type it into your twitter there is a question of you know does he have a vision issue is it a comfort thing does he want to bounce the ball you know maybe it's whatever they're doing in philly it's going really really well for him because he's making moves that you look at and you're like well there's no space there so he's creating yeah. it a little bit. He has really, really good vision. He's confidently getting downhill instead of dancing around. Or if he is dancing around, it's setting up a different move. So yeah, he didn't have 200 yards, but I was it was really, really fun to watch him. And I love that you mentioned his usage because I, when I watch a lot of teams, there are times I try not to doubt coaches too much, but I just wonder, you know, are these playmakers being used in creative ways? Are they? Is it making life easier for the offense? And on the offensive side for the Eagles and the defensive side, the Eagles know how to use their weapons in just kind of fun ways. So as you said, DeAndre Swift on that bubble screen, he's on the outside as a receiver. Yeah, let's put our athletes in space and see what the defense is going to do with that. That was, I think, the first time, right, where we saw Gainwell and Swift on the field at the same time. So 
I that's think just so, another yeah. thing. Yeah, another thing defenses are going to have to worry about. Yeah, he, he he's playing at a uh, very high level. Um, up front with the offensive line, I thought uh, Jordan Mailata definitely struggled in this game, obviously going up against a talented guy in Chase Young, but that's kind of life in the NFL uh, for a, a left tackle. And so it's you know, like last year, Jalen Hurts was sort of in this world where probably every quarterback was watching being like, that is so unfair. This year, I do think there are some more muddy pockets sometimes when guys are getting beat and you have to figure it out. This is more like Good offensive play as opposed to, I would say, last year is kind of like an all-time, you don't even have to uh, worry about the opponent type of thing. So I think Mylotta, if, if you're looking at the offensive line, has been a little bit up and down in pass pro for sure through the first uh, four weeks. And then the big change, Suo Peta comes in. Uh, at right guard for Cam Jurgens. Jurgens is going to be out for a little bit. Uh, I thought Opeta did a nice job. I think I wrote down one time where uh, maybe he gave up a pressure there, but he had some really high quality reps. It wasn't just like he's hanging on for dear life, which is sometimes all you want when a backup comes in. You're just like, don't let this game get wrecked. It, it was more than that, I thought, from Opeta, where he had some nice, uh, powerful reps in there. And so we'll see what he does now uh, at right guard against the Rams. Uh, see, I, I think you had a similar evaluation, right, on Opeta? Yeah, I think so. I think also just going back to my lotta, it's really hard to win in the NFL every single snap against really high level rushers. Yeah. And I would agree on Opeta for sure. I thought he did a good job playing and play out strong at the point of attack. But I mean, now he gets to go. He gets the pleasure of going up against Aaron Donald, which actually, you know, it feels kind of like me a few weeks back. I'm just kind of getting into the groove my first season doing this full time. You're kind enough to reach out about this thing called the Philly Special. A great, great name. Now I got, I have you on the other side, the Aaron Donald of the game. Um, you know, Aaron Donald's getting double team and triple team. You're on three podcasts, four podcasts, five podcasts. I can't even count. My dad's wondering, you know, how does this shield guy keep on doing it? So there we go. We, we compared you to Aaron Donald. I thought you were AJ Brown last week or you thought you were Devonta Smith. We're just adding on athletes who we have no business comparing ourselves to. Uh, now you're the greatest defensive tackle that has played the game. Listen, I like those comparisons because as I said, I'm just trying to get on the cliff, you know, workout, lean eating plan uh, that Cliff's on. And then I can actually draw those comparisons uh, in real life. It's tough. You know, you got the Phillies. We're doing How am I supposed to keep up with living a healthy lifestyle this time of year? That, uh, you know, that's after the Phillies get knocked out of the playoffs, which hopefully won't be for a little while. All right. Let's get to the defense a little bit. We'll do a little less on the defense, but still some overall thoughts here. Uh, certainly was not a great defensive performance. They give up 365 yards and 26 first downs uh, to the commanders. If you look at EPA per drive, it was actually their second worst defensive performance of the last two years uh, ahead of only the Super Bowl. So that's not great. Uh, on the season, they're 25th in success rate, 20th in EPA per drive. I think Previously, we both kind of felt like, hey, the numbers don't really align with the film here. Like in this game, did they have some good moments? Yes, but I, I think it's fair to say there were more issues with the defense in this game than maybe there were previously. What did you see in terms of the way uh, Eric Bieniemy, the commanders, were able to attack the Eagles and some of the issues that the, uh, the Eagles had stopping them? This was a week where you saw those injuries on the back end really start to take a toll. Yeah. When you move Bradbury to the slot, you're going to your second nickel, you're going to your third outside corner. So you're downgrading at two spots. And I think they just bought a free agent in at that spot this week. So that tells me that they want they would love to keep Bradbury at his natural position. And when I was watching Bradley live, Roby, yeah, for those who yeah. didn't uh, see it, they bring in Bradley Roby. Yep. Go ahead. And when I when I saw it live, I was wondering, is it 
is the defense just playing off? Like, why is this guy wide open? And to me, just full, really, really hats off. Eric Bianami did a great, great job. They put, or he put the defensive backs just in a headlock using bunch and manipulating rules at different times. And it wasn't like Desai was just sitting in off coverage or only playing one thing. He wasn't afraid to be a little bit more aggressive, which I really liked. We see that double mug look where you got two players on either side of the center. And again, the coverage wasn't stagnant. There were times where the rush, I think it would have gotten home if the coverage held up just like a bit longer, but just really a masterclass. Like you would show a high school team, this is what we're going to run from bunch to break the defense's rules. And they were able to get to that over and over. So how can uh, how can the Eagles be better? Because this is something that's come up multiple times this year. I feel like stacks, bunches, uh, these things have given them some issues where either they've busted or they've allowed uh, too much space and a guy comes free for an explosive play. What are some of the things you think, you know, they look at this week and say, all right, you know, Sean McVay is very good at doing this exact type of thing. What do we need to do uh, to get better at it so that we're not giving up these plays next week against the Rams? When we talk about stacks, we're just thinking two receivers kind of tight together. One of them's on the line. One of them's behind in a bunch. Think about it like a triangle. The point of the triangle is on the line. You got a player at your kind of back right and back left. And offenses do that. They are they let their receiver behind the the point person get a free release. It usually lessens what the defense is going to do because there's kind of a standard checklist for these are the types of checks that most teams get into. And the biggest thing is a communication. So that's what has to be handled first. And the Eagles do a fine job when they have four defenders over three. So they play something kind of, you call it box, where it's a version of quarters where if you're looking from the defensive side, the kind of back right and back left points are a cornerback and a safety. And then the front points are a linebacker and usually your nickel cornerback. But when they're in that cover three world, especially when they rotate weak, which in the Fangio world, they'll call it cover nine. Don't ask me about why we name things the way we do. It's weird, I know. (laughs) But if you're playing three on three, it's just a bit harder. You have to be able to communicate at full speed. And they've shown they can do it when they're four over three. But then you get into the allocation issue of, well, we're putting more resources here. We need to stay in that two high shell. Are we able to do it against the run game? But we are going to find out really, really quick next week because Sean McVay does a great job about it of forcing you into those bunches or those kind of loose bunches, which we'll call clusters. So just got stacks, bunches okay. and clusters, you know, I uh, got to get all the terms out there today. Yeah. But it, it's, it's I was actually wondering about that, though. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm glad you brought that up because there are times where I'm like, all right, this isn't actually a bunch, but it's doing the same. It, it, it's serving the same purpose where they're not all like that three guys tight, close together, but it's tight enough where it's like, all right, you still are going to have to communicate this because one guy could. Be, and, and and so the, the defensive backs in those situations, like the rules you're talking about, a lot of times is it, hey, you if if the guy you take the guy who breaks in you take the guy who breaks out if he goes vertical like like what are without you know going going over every single one of them what are some of those basic checks of maybe even if you're, you're saying like if you were coaching a high school team and you're like hey the opponent is you know running a lot of these bunches what is like the simplest form of uh being able to cover those where you're not messing up with your communication and letting one guy go free so one example is you're you're kind of making a triangle facing the defense or facing the offense as well. So you have a defender pressing that point person. You say, hey, take this person wherever they go. And then you can play man coverage where your inside defender is on the inside receiver. Or 
you can have them flip it where whoever the first inside releases of those back two receivers, your inside defender is going to take it. The problem gotcha. is with that, and I think that that's some part of what the Eagles got to, but the commanders, if you release two people inside where one of your defenders has the first outside release, they're already away from leverage. So that's a really, really mm. good way to do it. And I like that you mentioned that those kind of loose clusters, another way we can get another term we're going to call dirty bunches where you have uh, a stack, but then the running back in the backfield makes that third part of it. So you do have to kind of treat that like a bunch as well because it's not a traditional bunch formation, but they're still going to get to those same concepts. And it's going to be, I like that we saw this early. Well, maybe you don't like it on the Eagle side, but we're going to see teams like the 49ers use this a ton. The Dolphins are going to use this a ton. The Rams are going to hammer it over and over. So if the Eagles aren't able to hammer their communication down, that's going to be a problem. But at least I know that we'll be able to see it week over week, how it evolves. Yeah, that'll be fun to continue to keep an eye on it because it's been sort of a theme, I think, early in the season. Like you said, other teams are going to see that and they're going to keep doing it, whether the Eagles are having issues with it or not. They're at least going to test that. So that's something uh, to keep an eye on. Uh, last thing I wanted to ask you about with the defense is just uh, the game tying drive. Commanders go all the way down the field. They have them in a third and 17 uh, at one point. What stood out to you, if anything, from that uh, the, the defensive strategy there and why Washington was able to, to go down the field? So I don't want to say easily because it wasn't, you know, they got them to a third and 17 uh, there, but why the Eagles couldn't kind of finish that off. Right. If I told you third and 17, Jalen Carter is going to hit a sweet spin move. And yeah. you know, maybe, maybe he was taken down in a way that was against the rules. I'm not the person to say that, but you want to, you really, really want to be able to see them shut that door. And Jalen Carter on that whole drive was just playing out of his mind. I don't know if he had, I thought I wrote yeah, down his seriously. name more than any other defensive lineman again this week. I mean, it didn't show up maybe in the numbers, but I thought he was incredible in this game once again. Yeah, I don't know if he had an appointment to get to before overtime or he just wanted to check the score in the Dolphins-Bills game, but he he was moving. And that's kind of what makes it a bummer. They send five, they get a sack on that drive. They force a throwaway. They had him pressured multiple times, but the third and 17 play, it, it's kind of weird. They they had another play, I think it was fourth down, where they lose a track of the receiver, which that's kind of another just annoying thing. And I don't think defenses need to be pressed up in those situations all the time because there's fear of the deep ball there's fear of the double move and you can't just play two man because the quarterback can also scramble and he's not sneaky athletic he is just athletic in this situation so i did i like they had one snap where they play their cover eight which is cover two to one side and then cover four away from the passing strength and maybe that's something you get to more but i will say that you know eric Bieniemy has like the best like the breaking breaking play against that specific coverage that the Jaguars ran against the Chargers last year, and he's ran it already. So, and overall, you want to be tighter in coverage, but you obviously want to protect against the big play. I like that Desai didn't just sit in the same thing over and over. He sent an extra rusher. They got pressure. I love the cover zero call because if the offense catches that, like that's just game over. I was so, so nervous when I saw them line up in it because, and I feel like at the college level, you see that the offense will just throw like a five yard pass and they'll just be able to get five yards after the catch. And, and get into the end zone but i'm glad that one worked out because i got scared so less less than ideal execution i think that you know that coverage unit if it just holds up just a touch longer we're talking about jalen carter with a strip sack to end the game and i think that that's something that i'm hoping and i do think we'll see towards the end of the year as well yeah i mean i, I think your your key point there is they didn't just sit back and like you know 
play prevent on the last. That's not what was happening. They were blitzing. They were trying different things. Uh, Slay was definitely playing off. I think there were definitely you know some plays there where you, you would want to make it harder on the offense. At the same time, the whole goal there is like try to make time run out before they're able to get in the end zone. And they literally score. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to make excuses for them because you still give up the touchdown. And if you lose that game, we're probably devoted the first half of the show to what's wrong with this defense. They just got carved up by Sam Howell. So I get that. Uh, but I do get the strategy where it's like, you know, you have to find a balance there because you want time to run out before uh, they can finally get into the end zone. So yeah, I thought Darius Slay, this was definitely not his, uh, not his best game, was writing his name down uh, quite a bit. Like you said, there were the missed communications, the stuff where it's just like, hey, you got different people playing in the secondary uh, than you're used to. Maybe some of this stuff uh, should be a little bit expected. Uh, Terrell Edmonds at safety, that that to me is a tough one when we look at them from a personnel standpoint. I don't know what their plans are, but I thought uh, he had a tough game. I actually didn't think, you know, watching live, I thought maybe the linebackers got exposed here a little bit. I actually didn't find myself on a lot of those big plays being like, ooh, the linebackers, you know, screwed this up. I, I didn't ask you to like, you know, look at that specifically, but I don't know if you had any uh, thoughts on that about whether they were a big liability or not. Yeah, I agree. I think they they held up pretty well and I was yeah. concerned, okay, is Washington just going to be able to stretch them out in the run game? And there were obviously times where Washington was able to run the ball successfully, but yeah, I, I don't know what it is. It, they're able to get good play from the linebackers. That's, that's a great thing. I do want to mention for a second, right? Darius Slay, I, I do think he prefers to play off and then Joe prefers to press. So that is partially, cornerbacks have different styles. I Maybe you ask Joe, hey, can you play eight yards off every play? He probably wouldn't prefer that. Some people like to kind of have their hands on. They want to feel that route. And there's pros and cons to that. And I think Slay has done enough for as a cornerback across the league where he's earned the right to do that. It It is a bummer in this situation where He's off and then they're completing the ball in front of him. But I don't know. I, I hate to just give great credit to the other team, but big coach speak, right? The other team gets paid too. They're, they're collecting yeah. checks, big ones as well. And it's fun that we get to play. Or we, we, the Eagles play Washington again because they, they played really, really well. So it's not going to be a game where she'll, I'll admit I, I, I was pretty confident going into this game. I didn't have the Eagles on my immediate screen. I thought, you know, we'll, we'll get back to it later, but <laughs> I, I promise I'll change that for this upcoming week. Rams Eagles will be on my on the on the big TV, and there there will be no conflict about that. What is that? What is the screen setup at the oh, yeah, household? Yeah, what do you do on like a? And you're you're a college too. Are you just like game day nine a.m. through like you know twelve thirty on Sunday? Just uh, like hey, give me give me some insight. TV situation. What a football weekend in the fall is like at the household. Should, I will say. <laughs> I candidly don't really love college football. It's, it's oh, better. okay. Yeah, it is. It is uh, more. In, I would maybe not innovative, but it is more variant in terms of schematics. But you know, it's it's a totally different level of play. Sundays, you know, I'm I'm very very lucky. You know, in the morning, my wife, we we make pancakes. We throw a little chocolate chips in there. You know, you got to get that blood sugar up a little bit if you're not going to have coffee. <laughs> And I'm very locked in. I, I actually I messaged Stephen Ruiz from The Ringer, a great website. I was like, well, how do you do it? Because you're, you're doing so many things. What's the situation? And I think this is the right situation where if you're in our situation where you got to see so many things, pick one game, watch it on the main screen, red zone on the laptop. That's That, I think, is, is the superior way to do it. The year before, I would be watching eight games at the same time, and I was just picking up nothing. So I think that 
main game on on the TV. Last week I chose I chose the Dolphins. I'm not I'm not here to lie to anyone. I didn't put the Eagles up there, but we're lucky in that second window. You know, Eagles on the main screen. Let's go. I'm I'm glad to have family support where you know there's not too much bothering during that time. Uh, no no one no one running around making any any issues about that. Okay, very very. So you you're going mostly solo viewing for the Sunday games, or are people it, popping in and out or no? It like in an ideal world, it like I love my family more than anything <laughs> in the world. Chill. Any, be careful. I co- I be careful, Sean. All right. <laughs> last year I covered the Vikings and they played on Thanksgiving. And I I would understand while well, if someone was looking from the outside, they would think that I was just the the weirdest person ever. I don't know. I it maybe it's a focus thing. Maybe it's just how I like to watch it, but like I don't want anyone to rewind it. I don't want anyone to touch the remote. I don't want anyone to talk about the remote. And yes, candidly, I would like to watch alone, but I mean, my brothers are great. My dad's great. They love football. My mom <laughs> just has no no care in the world for it, but supports the addiction nonetheless. There you go. No, I'm the same. Listen, there's nothing wrong with being comfortable being alone, okay? Sometimes there's the whole social aspect. Well, you know, I like talking to you. I like talking to Cliff. But, you know, sometimes you just want to uh, be alone. So I'm with you. Yeah, I, I do. In the non-Eagles window, I, I feel like I can have one main game on and then two other games on, but I'm not like... You're right. It is hard to kind of keep your attention um, on all those things. Luckily, I don't have to on Sunday nights. All I got to do is the Ringer's Philly special. So as long as I got my Eagles takes ready, uh, I'm good. And then I like that I have until Monday night to do my kind of first here, my national take. So I have all of Monday uh, to catch up on the other stuff. There you go. That's some good insight. All right. I do agree with you with the enemy, by the way, on extra point taken this week. Um, I was naming some coordinators who have impressed me so far, and I was kicking myself afterwards for not naming the enemy because uh, I call him like the more with less club. Uh, and I was giving Bobby Slowick on the Texans and I was giving uh, Drew Petzing on the Cardinals credit because their offenses are outperforming, in my estimation, the talent on the roster. And I think that that fits for the enemy uh, for sure, uh, especially with some of the issues they have up front with that offensive line. To have the plan he did against the Eagles pass rush, um, I, I thought he did a, a phenomenal job there. So I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to watching that game Thursday now. I might be the only one who says this, but uh, Commanders Bears Thursday night, because I think he'd like Commanders might take it to him and, and put up a lot of yards and a lot of points in that game. All right, let's finish with this little Rams-Eagles preview. Rams offense versus Eagles defense. Big matchup. Rams passing offense has looked great. I thought going into the season, I'm like 35-year-old Matthew Stafford and this offensive line, this is going to get so ugly so fast. Well, guess what? They're fifth in EPA per drive. They're fourth in success rate. Matthew Stafford is just making like high degree of difficulty throws on a weekly basis. I mean, you watched the first half of that game against the Colts and he was just ripping the ball uh, and tearing that defense apart. And he's been doing that for most of the season. So uh, very impressed with him. Of course, Puka Nakua, everyone's favorite. Do you do, do, you do fantasy or no? <laughs> so I do not. I know you see the, the fantasy okay. football championship trophy in my, in, in my background. I will <laughs> say I just, I got, I, it's so much fun and I would get so, so into it. I would just be like running waivers just constantly and just creating issues. So I decided, you know, let's, let's step away from that. But you know, my, obviously wow. my friends do it. My brothers do it. I, I recognize the value in it and, and have, have gone through many, many a fantasy football season. <laughs> you strike me as a man of discipline. I mean, you're just quitting stuff. No coffee, quitting fantasy football. Cole Turk, I need some of your discipline in my life. Like I'll be sneaking into the kitchen, having a bite of some, my daughter's chocolate cake when she's asleep. Don't tell her uh, later tonight after that Phillies game. All right. 
I don't even know how I got. Oh, Puka Nakua. That's right. Uh, everyone's <laughs> the biggest fantasy receiver. Uh, 501 yards, second in the NFL, 25 first downs, second to only Justin Jefferson. Uh, chain mover Cooper Cup is back practicing. Um, their offensive line, it looks like they could get their left tackle, Alaric Jackson, back. We'll see. Matthew Stafford did suffer a hip contusion in the third quarter of the Colts game, where at points in that game, like the guy couldn't even walk, and then he still throws a game-winning touchdown in overtime. So we'll see what that looks like. But um, that's from a personnel background standpoint. What do you think in terms of uh, this Rams offense and what will be key to watch the Eagles defense defend them? When I watch the Rams offense, it seems like Sean McVay is just having so much fun. And McVay is unquestionably one of the innovators of our time. They use that motion similar to how the Dolphins use it, of course, with different personnel. The 49ers call it cheap motion. Dolphins have a different name. We'll keep that off the air. But they get into those stacks really quickly. They get into that bunch really, really quickly. And it's been a little bit of a problem for the Eagles to communicate that. So we're going to see that. And I think you make a great point. Matthew Stafford just on an absolute heater. I don't, I'm not sure how injured he will be, but he challenges your cornerbacks so often because he's throwing into windows that when you're watching it, it looks covered, it looks covered, it looks covered, it looks covered, and now it's caught. I, I, I don't know how yeah. it happens, but if your rush isn't able to get home, on the backside of concepts, you're going to see Pukunakua running across and it is really, really difficult to deal with because what you think is covered, it just isn't. And Stafford has the confidence and the ability to make those throws. And then in the run game, they'll run duo at you. They're going to run a lot of crack toss to the edge. So going to be a challenge. See those linebackers running. And I know we, I think we had a listener message about the 2020 Rams game where they beat up the Eagles pretty bad. And I think they just put the Eagles linebackers into all sorts of conflict. It's a different offense. I'm not sure if Cooper Cup's going to be back for this, but if we're not, if the Eagles are not able to win defensive line versus a younger offensive line, Sean McVay, Matthew Stafford, they will break down the coverage really no matter who is there. Yeah. And I, I think McVay to the B enemy point, like they're going to come into this game being like, we cannot let the Eagles pass rush just dominate this game. I mean, anyone who watched Rams Bengals a couple of weeks ago, Rams lose some offensive linemen during that game. And then their offense just completely falls apart because Matthew Stafford's had a scramble here and there, but not going to be the most mobile guy. So I'm interested to see what their game plan is early on to make sure the Eagles pass rush just doesn't uh, completely take over there. And then other side of the ball, Rams defense versus Eagles offense. Uh, Rams are 24th in EPA per drive but 10th in success rate. So that reflects the fact that they've only had two takeaways all season. So they're not making those big game-changing plays, but down to down, 10th in success rate, that's pretty good. Uh, just looking at kind of their coverage profile here, they've played more than 20% each of quarters of cover three, of cover six, have been a zone-heavy team uh, at 78% per uh, true media and pro football focus. I think that's seventh highest in the NFL. And of course, uh, Aaron Donald, anyone who watched their game against the Colts, Aaron Donald was doing Aaron Donald things um, in that game. What do you see from this Rams defense and maybe how the Eagles will try to attack them? Absolutely driven by Aaron Donald. They do a good job of not just lining him up in one spot. They're going to find whoever the least best offensive pass protector is on your line. And if you're going to move your center towards them, then they're going to put five people up there up front, force you into that kind of man-to-man -man blocking scheme, and they're going to stunt and pick you till the end of the day. So Aaron Donald was able to just ruin a lot of the Colts' offensive plays. It was It's fun that 
the Rams got to see Steichen in, in the Colts. And of course, there's a lot of carryover between right. the Colts and the Eagles offenses. And then, you know, the Commanders defense and Rams defense are very different, but still Washington is a quarters based scheme. The Rams will get to more of the kind of cover six where you have quarters one way, halves the other way. So I do think that as much as the Rams want to put a ceiling over the Eagles offense, that's a situation where I want to still see those shot plays you know, throw that ball up to AJ Brown. The Rams defense has a lot of younger players absolutely going into the season. Did not expect this to be a team that was going to find a lot of success, but they are finding it in different ways. They're happy to send not maybe not the most unique pressures, but different pressures than you're used to seeing from the Rams. So maybe a situation where we see one or two of those free rushers come just by good defensive design. And you know, maybe it's time we got Hurts out of the pocket. He'll get another big game this week. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, the the Donald thing, he was lining up against like the Colts had a backup left tackle in there, and he's even lining up out there. So I would expect Suo Peta, you know, even if you're sliding your protection that way, uh, he's going to see a fair amount of him. Uh, all those guys, Landon Dickerson, I mean, Aaron Donald will line up in different places. We'll see what the Eagles' plan is for blocking Aaron Donald. You know what? I'm not giving my prediction yet on this. I need to just see a Rams-like injury report. I don't know what Matthew Stafford looks like. We're recording this on Wednesday. So listen, I put my picks up on the ringer.com on Thursday. You can check them out there. We're going to be doing Phillies post-game pods. I'll mention my pick there. I do my WIP hit on Thursdays at 3. I, I They make me pick the kids. I'll, I'll give my pick there also. So I'm, I'm going to hold off for a little bit here. I don't think you have any interest in joining the picks here, Sean, right? You're, you're a little too nuanced to actually want to pick the game, I would assume. I feel like you got a good read on me. I cannot express <laughs> to you how little interest I have in making a pick, making a score prediction. Uh, of course, if my employer asks, you know, I, I'm, I'm more than willing to. But I will say that... You know, going across the country, right? It's a Rams home game. This is this is probably the most I felt uncomfortable so far for a game, if that can express my maybe my leanings a bit. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just overdue respect for Sean McVay. You know, he spells his first name like Sean Desai does, which is different than mine. Which, if you ask me, I think my way is right. But you know, those guys are in a different position. But yeah, the Rams histor- historically a good team. I don't like flying to the West Coast. I'm sure the players don't. That's we're getting to a part of the schedule where it is. It's just like I don't know. Maybe I'm just I'm just tense about the upcoming schedule. That there's just game after game after game. Obviously Rams, Jets, and then it's just a spree of wow. We're going to find out so much about this team. It's fun that a team is going to get challenged like this, like the Eagles, just week after week. It's it's going to be a lot of fun podcasting about it. Yeah, there are going to be some great games coming up. No doubt. I, I think if Stafford is 100% healthy, yeah, I think this is going to be a tough matchup. Not not to say uh, I'd pick the Rams. The Eagles, I think, are five and a half point favorites, but I think it'll be a tough matchup for their defense specifically. And then offensively, you go back to the stuff we talked about. Like, yes, there have been explosive plays, but if you have to string together nine, 10 play drives, are you able to run the ball against this defense? Can you move the ball efficiently through the air? All those questions. So we'll see about all of that. All right, Sean, what do we have to plug? We got We got the pod. We got the column. What's going on this week? Yeah, just follow Science Games at uh, on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. You can call it whatever you want. Podcast on Tuesdays on the Sumer Sports feed and just just watching a lot of football, Shield. It's we're we're heading up on week five. I was I was concerned, you know, what's my endurance level gonna be? But I don't know if you can tell a second layer of eye bags or if if they're there, if they're not. Maybe the lighting's just helping me out. But shoot me the follow on Twitter, you know, maybe go on the Sumer Sports website, make my bosses happy as well. And Man, fly, fly, Eagles, fly again. I've been, I've been saying that a lot in my life, Shield. 
There you go. No, you look, you look good. You're young. You're spry. You've got the energy to be grinding uh, this film. Definitely check out Sean's column. Check out his podcast. Check him out on Syed Schemes uh, on Twitter. This was a lot of fun breaking everything down. So thanks to Sean. Thanks to Cliff. Listen, Cliff and I are going to be back in a few hours talking Phillies, Marlins, game two tonight. And then Solak and I will be back on Sunday to talk Eagles, Rams. All right. Talk to everyone soon on the Ringers Philly Special. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I wanna wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more.